Bonjour et bienvenue à le podcast LEL Formule 1. Je m'appelle Adam Dickinson et je suis ici avec Frédéric Vest et Nigel Chu. Comment allez-vous? Oui. Uh, comment tu t'appelles? Is that French? <laughs> What am I called? I've already said that. Oh. <laughs> je m'appelle, m'appelle Frédéric Vest. Yeah. Uh, je m'appelle Nigel, I think. Is that right? I've been yeah, French, you were. So... No, I've, I've already said who you are. Oh, how am I? Uh, bien, bien. Bien. Muy bien. That's no, 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 no. No. That's not Espanol. Not Barcelona now, Nigel. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, that was a fun start. Yes, it is the Winging F1 podcast for non-French speakers. And I'm joined by Freddie Coates and Nigel Chu. We're going to be previewing the French Grand Prix at Paul Ricard. So we'll be talking a bit about that, a bit about predictions for the race and a bit of F1 news. We've been pretty quiet over the last couple of weeks. And we'll do a quiz at the end of the podcast. Yes. So what are your what comes to mind for both of you, or Freddie first, when you think of the French Grand Prix at Paul Ricard? Uh, hi everyone. Um I I'm gonna start on a positive note because everything about this podcast is gonna be like, well, Paul Ricard's pretty naff, which it is. Um so there's the negative note to start with the positive note. And the positive <laughs> note is that like it feels like a proper place. For Formula One to be to have a French Grand Prix, it felt weird not having a French Grand Prix for 10 years. Like, Grand Prix is literally French for big prize, and you can't have the French big prize not in France. Yeah, um, might not be, yeah. <laughs> um, oh. but um, I feel like it is, and it's like I it feels like it's Swiss. you know, it's it's where it's from, it's all of that kind of stuff. And it's nice to have Formula One in France, it's just a shame it's at Paul Ricard. I mean. That's a very that's a great question you started off with there, Adam. Because I've, I've not, I've not, I don't, I don't really know what comes to mind. I, I think of Le Mans. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Nothing. <laughs> yeah, Le Mans. When, when I say Paul Ricard, French Grand Prix, Paul Ricard, Nigel, and you think oh, Le Mans. Yeah, Le Mans. Le Mans is great. Paul Ricard is just not a great track. It's not doesn't it doesn't really get me hyped. I'd say for F one, unfortunately. So, yeah, I think of other French things, I guess. <laughs> Frog's legs, snails. I didn't tan, say that, you geez. said that. <laughs> Eiffel Towers. I'm not being... Only one Eiffel Tower. If you're doing Eiffel Towers, then one of them is in Las Vegas, and that's not very French, that's more Spanish. Mm. So, yeah, that's interesting, because I think for a lot, yeah. of, for a lot of F1 fans, it is, it, there is kind of a passionate hate of Paul Ricard. Like, it feels... It, feels like it's the one along with kind of Abu Dhabi and Sochi that it's the one that's most passionately disliked by the F1 fan base but why Nigel why is it so disliked or why doesn't it always produce the best racing well the runoff which is just bizarre with red white red black and blue stripes which they say uh, hurts the tyres if you go on it it's just not exactly aesthetically pleasing and Runoff area in itself, rather than grass and gravel, it just it's not great. Uh, the racing it doesn't work because of the long the long radius turns, so the cars are turning for a long time, which is very hard to follow compared to a short radius turn where you're not following the car in, in the corner for as long. Uh, so just that does it's very flat and smooth as well as 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 you like a bit of elevation change Adam when if, if you was making a, a dream circuit. Uh so I think I think yeah the, the turns especially especially the final three or four corners in the final sector which are just pretty horrible. They don't allow great racing. They really it's really not good for for the cars to follow. So I think that's the main reason I'd say. Yeah like I saw someone had done some Photoshop where they just made the whole runoff area as if it was tarmac, as if the whole, as if everything, as if it is, say, it's like in Abu Dhabi or something like that. But they've got stripes there and they make it work, but they don't here for some reason. And it just, it just looks, it just, it honestly, um, just, you can't see any land. It's just all yeah. just runoff. And it's a shame because it used to be a fantastic racetrack. People always cite 1979, Villeneuve versus Arnoux for second place, French Grand Prix. That was Dijon, actually. No, ignore me. Um, 
that was a good bit of racing, wasn't it, Le Castellet? <laughs> that was a good track. <laughs> the, the 19, is it, is it, which was the one late in house nearly won with that 1989 French Grand Prix? Um, that was cited by many as like their favorite Grand Prix Mag- growing Nicole, up and stuff like that. No, it wasn't Mandy Cool then. Um, but that's spoken by many as one of their favorite French Grand Prix growing up, like, or just favorite Grand Prix ever. Um, and like, it used to be really good there. It's just not now. Mm-hmm. It's just become a testing venue for WEC. But for some reason, yeah. Formula One races there. Uh, and what doesn't help as well is we've just come off the back of two proper drivers' street circuits back in Monaco. And France is probably not really well of course every every circuit is a driver's circuit but if you make a mistake oh yeah if you you make a mistake then you can just cut the corner or run out wide and you won't get punished so then the risk versus reward isn't the same compared to monaco or baku so i think that's another thing which makes it a bit dull sometimes we've had two races there in sort of our time of Formula One, that kind of thing, 2018, 2019. And I can't think of anywhere else where sort of like... In Nigel's time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a 100% record for um, people afterwards saying there's something wrong with Formula One after the race and having two weeks of just before the next Grand Prix or a week in this case with before Austria, where it would just be people... You can see it already, people saying, what's wrong with Formula One? Why can't we do this? We need to change that kind of thing. Because that's just what's going to come out of this because it's just not going to be interesting. It's like... Well, why isn't it interesting? And it's like, oh, a mixture of the track, a mixture of the cars, but it just, it's just a perfect storm of despair. Well, I mean, that could change this week. I mean, we thought... <laughs> Sorry, I'm just laughing at Adam's laughing. I'm, I'm we... just laughing at Fred. <laughs> I, I, see, this is what I mean when I try to start on a positive note, because it's not going to be positive. No, no, I'm going to try and make it positive because we talked before Spain, our strategy, the closest of Red Bull and Mercedes and, you know, to for all the exciting race. And that's <clears> kind of what happened with Hamilton overtaking Verstappen with six or seven, or seven laps to go. Now, I'm not saying we could get the same this weekend in France, but I think it will probably be more exciting than the previous two French Grand Prix simply because of the nature of the championship and the season that we've had so far. So I think, yeah, it should be better and it might not be as bad as we think, perhaps. I'd, yeah, I think it couldn't be less exciting unless someone crashes on the first lap and then the safety car for the rest of the race. But Crash, you know. crash where? Crash where? Yeah. In, in, another, in a neighbouring <laughs> town? <What? laughs> but I think that's, that's kind of part of the problem. It's like, you know, there are um, circuits in F1 that kind of aren't, great for racing but they've all got like some redeeming features whether yeah, it's like, like Abu Dhabi's got a, Abu Dhabi's got like a cool hotel and, uh, <laughs> you know like Zandvoort might not be very good but I think it's quite a cool track and seems like a bit of a driver's track and got the elevation and got the banking and like China's got massive straights where even if like there's not amazing racing you can still have like good races and good overtaking oh, um, right. Russia's got an Olympic park racing, I think. and then like yeah you've just got this which is it's just like it's flat it's lifeless like you say there's so much runoff there's not like an amazing backdrop to it. i think you can see the alps in the distance but it's like it's too far it doesn't really redeem it there's not like on a, a massive, clear day yeah there's like not a massive atmosphere there's an airport next to it it's just all yeah it's it's like there's bad racing and nothing else you can't focus on anything else or you can't oh it's monaco or it's no it's just bad racing so there's nowhere else to go in France because, well, you could go to Manicor, but that was equally as boring. I think, you know, some people might forget that. Le Mans, you can't... This debate before. Yeah, we, yeah. we can't... We, Le Mans, more. you can't go down the full Mulsanne straight, unfortunately. And there's no other French circuit. So it's either this or no French Grand Prix. Now, I know which one I'd rather have, but I think for four and one, as Freddie kind of alluded to, we do kind of need a French Grand Prix. I think the best option for a French Grand Prix then, would you, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this, would be like a street track. Um, I, I mean, yeah, we've, that, we've yeah. got Monaco Grand Prix, which, yeah, it's Principality, South of France, that kind of thing, arguably. Um, but, you know, it's its own thing. Um, but would you think there'd be sort of scope for like the Champs-Élysées in Paris? Um, the scene of, and you guys will love this, you know, Tour de France <laughs> history and all of that. If you put that, as, if you have that with like, a Formula One racetrack basically is like the start finish straight down there. Do you think that's kind of feasible? 
Mm, I think the problem is it doesn't kind of fit the mould of um, street, like places where we've seen street circuits popping up in that it's not like, um, you know, a rich country in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, rich world power, rich new world powerhouse, or you know, a la Jeddah, or it's not e- even America. Kind of, you know, want a new market wanting to put itself into F one, and that's kind of where the money seems to come from. Or you know, Azerbaijan's another example. That's not really; it just doesn't seem to fit the mold of that. So I agree. I think it'd be fantastic to have a French street circuit, and it'd be a hell of a lot better than Paul Ricard. But I just think <laughs> it doesn't. You know, it's. I think my worry would be the kind of, you know, financial aspect and whether there's actually an appetite there to go down that route when we've got lots of tracks, albeit not very interesting ones for racing, we think, you've, you know, you've got a list of tracks that you could have it at in France anyway. I mean, there's, if there's any sort of, I don't know if I'm being overly optimistic, but if there's any sort of Western country and like a European country that would normally have a Grand Prix, that would have government backing. It's the French Grand Prix because I think it does have government backing. And Renault is a partly state-owned company and they've obviously got Alpine. They've got a lot of funding that's put in by the French state into motorsport. Um, So I feel like if there's any country that would potentially do that kind of thing, it would be France. Um, But yeah, it's obviously not on the cards and this is just hypothesis from us. But Mm, I think the, the only one that I can think of in the last, like since I've been watching that would feel similar to that is Valencia yeah like right. you know kind of Western European country coming in but yeah and you know we're not in street circuits still aren't perfect by any stretch like you know there's there's that as well that we we're saying oh it'd be great to have a street circuit but it has to be a good street circuit and there's like yeah. no guarantee that it would be any better than Paul Ricard so it's a bit it's a bit of a there's a ton of space for... by there's a ton of space by the Louvre just do it there just do it around that big sort of glass pyramid thing in the middle of the Louvre <laughs> Just <laughs> turn around in circles around there. It would still be better. That's the thing. It would still be Do better. Donuts than the whole way. Drive up the Eiffel Tower, <laughs> up the side of it, and, and down the other wins. side. Well, I mean, the team that wins. Whoever, yeah, whoever wins, out, wins, you can use the lift. Whoa. You can just go in the lift and like go up. But then they can only do that one of a t- one at a time. So it'll be like oh, great yeah. strategy. Is who's their advantage and stuff. If you you put, use DAS and use system of DAS, you pull out the steering wheel and then it's got like um, rocket thrusters on the bottom, like fire. Oh, yeah. Just yeah, and the wheel, and the wheel like, turns so they're facing <laughs> facing down. That's why DAS is banned. Yeah. Oh, that'd be good. Too much, too, or um, it goes back to the blown exhaust days where they actually would fire shit out the bottom of the of the cars and they just do that and it goes up instead of down into the downforce. It's, it's the other way around. They've got wings. Carry a jump jet in F1. <laughs> Nigel, if you got Let's do a race on an aircraft carrier. Uh, not really. No, I, I, I think, yeah, I think like you guys say, it, it depends on what they kind of do if they do if they do have a street track. But yeah, I, I don't really see it happening anytime soon, unfortunately. Go to right. Po. Yeah, Pow. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> that's a brilliant home. Home, home is the first ever F, uh, Grand Prix race. They only have Formula mm. 3 cars racing there now because it's so tight and fiddly. <laughs> mm. Top Gear tried to go there on the perfect road trip and got caught speeding and couldn't. So, you know, move ground to make up there, which is not relevant at all to this, to be honest. I don't know why I said Isn't there, anyway. There's a rally, that rallycross track called La Hague or something. Couldn't they go there? Oh, yeah. Loyak, <laughs> yeah, that's a classic. Even that track is probably one of the worst on the rallycross calendar. France just has rubbish tracks. Why, why not just do a karting race? Why not just like for one one weekend of the year to say, right, France is so rubbish that we're just going to do a karting race here instead and then just do that. And then that'll be good. They do a karting race around Paul Ricard. Well, they've got 147 different configurations, haven't they? So they could use like... Different... Do, do, do a different configuration yeah. each lap. <laughs> I saw um, a chain bear video talking about Monica and he was saying like, oh, there should be a Joker lap. <laughs> and he did like one that was um, go just, for a before, like a biathlon. just before you go into the tunnel section, you kind of do a bit of a longer loop. And then he, and then he was like, oh, you can do the mega Joker lap. And it's like, <laughs> 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 he goes off like the other side of Monaco after Casino <laughs> Square. <laughs> Adds so long to the lap. 
they even put forward ideas about extending the Monaco track a couple of years ago. And everyone said, why the hell would you do that? And then they, they, they quietly forgot that they had published those plans. Um, proposals, not plans. No, no. Was it us? No, 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 no. It was you. It wasn't me. Was it you that lost the plans? I don't know. It's like Nigel's gone into a trance trying to... Did they change the pit lane for the 2019 race or to change it for this year to like make yeah. it? Yeah, they the changed it for 2019. Yeah, they made yeah. that straight Just line to it, which yeah. is um, which wasn't the issue because the issue is the exit, um, yeah. really. <laughs> um, but I, actually, no, I guess because like they had a pit lane garage and because it was wet in qualifying in 2018, you'd have a car go into the pits and sort of have a potential just to skid straight into the Mercedes yeah. garage. Um, which is, you know, fair enough that that's uncomfortable. And that was around a similar point of time when they made the decision was when that basically happened in DTM. So yeah. um, at the Hungaro ring. Wait, um, so which, which is it? Is it the one that like breaks off before the last two corners and goes in or is it off the straight now? It yeah, breaks corners. off the last corner. So it, um, it's just like essentially you just can kind of straight line the penultimate corner into the pits. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you still come out onto the racing line, and that's the thing. Like realistically, it should, should be a bit more like a long lap kind of thing for MotoGP on the entrance. Really, to be honest. Yeah, and I guess from a strategical point of view, it shortens the pit lane time loss. Then you could do a two-stop. Well, you're probably not going to, but it it makes it a bit more likely. They probably still yeah. won't. A tight, there'll be a bit a bit more of a chance if there's a well-timed safety car or, or whatever. That's interesting, yeah, actually. It means you won't lose 25 seconds, you'll lose 20 seconds, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. A bit mm. like Canada. Mm, yeah. yeah. Or, um... No, I can't think of it. Stilson's <laughs> pretty Stilson. good for that, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because they, no. have that, they, have that, they have that straight in, but that's why it's a bit slower, because otherwise... Um, yeah, to the pit lane speeds in Silverton, it's, it's, it's fine to be like the pit lane safe enough for it to be like a 50 mile an hour limit, but they have it at 37 or something because otherwise you'd set the fastest lap going in the pit. Yeah. <laughs> so they have to have it slightly slower so that people don't set the fastest lap. Yeah, because it's quite imagine Q3 or, yeah. or in qualified as bobby the pit lane. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be hilarious. It'd, it'd be, be absolutely for safety. It'd be an, it'd be an absolute but... fast. It'd be stupid. Yeah. It's like when Schumacher pitted on the final lap to serve a penalty or yeah. something. They mm. let it stand. And it's like, it's proper cunning, annoying Formula One. But like, <laughs> if like these 2022 cars are, are slower, then if they're slower than going around the final two corners, the final, the bail <laughs> club chicanes around that, if they're slower doing that than it is just to go through the pits on a speed limit. So then maybe... Yeah, but if it's wet as well, would that make Yeah. It? Oh, yeah. It's, um, if it's wet as well, I guess... It just take longer to slow down it on entry to the pits anyway. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, but who knows? Let's try it out at the British Grand Prix. <laughs> Let's get fantastic. some F1 strategists on the pod. We can just we can put it, put it forward to them. Mm. Yeah, if you're an F1 strategist listening to this and you want to come on the podcast, please tweet us at Dive up, divulge your strategy. Yes. <laughs> um, give us a strategy, please. We need a strategy. Got what tyres is Nigel on now? Um, hard. Mediums. Oh. <laughs> Didn't yeah. even know. C falls. It's like um, it's like the Sakir Grand Prix all over again. Freddie's on pink wall tyres. He's bringing back the hypersofts. Yeah. <laughs> See. Um, but yeah, moving on from the crazy conversation about Paul Ricard, which I really enjoyed. I think that was yeah. a great chat about how to improve <laughs> the French Grand Prix. It's better than every, the French Grand Prix is going to be. In every way that wouldn't actually improve the French Grand Prix or actually get put through. It's brilliant. Um, but we do have to race here this week. Well, we don't. I wish we did. But um, F1 does have to race here this weekend. And it's, again, expected to be a battle between Mercedes and Red Bull. So who do you both think is going to be on top here? Is it Merck Track? It should be. I mean, if it isn't, then I think Red Bull have to become favourites because everything points towards this being a Mercedes track, the long corners, which you talked about earlier, the way this is more aerodynamic 
increasingly sensitive, a bit like Spain, whereas Baku and Monaco, it's more about mechanical grip. And I think Mercedes, one of its biggest strengths this year or for the last seven years is the aerodynamics, whereas Red Bull is more like Ferrari, the stronger with the mechanical grip. So everything, like, yeah, like I said, points towards a Mercedes win. Probably not dominant, but if they don't win, kind of like Monaco with Red Bull, if they don't win this weekend, then I think there will be a lot of head-scratching, especially for Hamilton. He's four points behind in the championship. Yes, yes it's been a mad season, especially in, in Baku. But I think they have to win on genuine pace because there's not many other tracks apart from Silverstone, perhaps, where even Red Bull went was strong there last year. But... Yeah, looking at the rest, rest, rest of the races, I don't think there's many more tracks that suit Mercedes more than Paul Ricard. Yeah, I think um, I think there's going to be a lot about the track surface here because yeah, like like you say, we've got um, for best case scenario for Mercedes in terms of aerodynamics. Um, but I kind of look at it and think, what have been the issues for Mercedes in the past two races? And they've been tire warm on the kind of weird track surfaces and I kind of feel there's there's still a kind of lack of grip for that at Paul Ricard yeah. and there could well be a similarity in that regard but maybe you know the gap's not like I, I think I could put Red Bull on top because they can just cope with that a bit better um, in the way that they have done in Monaco and Baku and um, in the race in Imola that kind of thing with tyre warm-up so I think I think that just kind of sort of has swings and roundabouts in that Merkel will be good in the actual sort of um, aerodynamic perspective, but Red Bull have and Ferrari by extension, like you say, Nigel, will have that extent, have that um, that tire performance that will give them that um, more malleable edge. If that makes sense, they can be a bit more yeah. creative because they're not so limited on their tires in a way that Mercedes will be, I think. Um, but I mean, I made a I made some predictions to back you, and they all went to part. So I mean, what, don't what listen would, to me. What I'd say to that is that. Uh, they've been using C5 tyre for qualifying and first stints in the race in Monaco and Azerbaijan. We've got C2, C3 and C4 tyres, which is what they used in Bahrain. So I think that'll help Mercedes a bit more. And I think the longer corners as well. I think Mercedes's problems, or one of the problems they've had in, in the last couple of races, is generating the front tyre temperature or getting it into the right window. And the longer corners will help that. It'll make it a bit easier. So... Yeah, I think Hamilton had no problem um, generating for entire temperature on the last lap of the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. But anyway, <laughs> um, not even the last lap either. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I don't think many people's predictions stayed in the window for the um, for Baku, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> unless you are a sidekick. Um, do you think anyone else will be in the fight? Because obviously, we've had Leclerc on pole over the mm. last two races and we've had different podiums to what we would have expected I don't see that I think Monaco's Monaco and Azerbaijan Leclerc said he thought his lap was rubbish and he couldn't believe he got pole and then you know the podiums have kind of again been Monaco and Baku shaped or moulded by that but do either of you see kind of a continuation of the um, anomalous results um like you say, yeah, shaped by Monaco and Baku. It's like the, the tracks have got their own... Um, I don't know what you're gesturing at. but um, Corners? Yeah, they've got, this, they've got their own... They've got their own foibles. Like, right, their own, go away. They've got their own um, intricacies and idiosyncrasies. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, <laughs> you kept doing this, and I was like, what are you saying? I thought I was on mute, and so no one could hear me. Um <laughs> And I was like, oh, God, I'm on mute. And I wasn't. And you were just making gestures. And then I stopped You've speaking. Been mute and then mute I completely the got thrown off. Oh, yeah. I've, I've not <laughs> spoken for anything. Um, you didn't hear when I said I thought I was on mute, which was the interesting bit. But you did. What was um, that? Yeah, there we go. There's going to be a lot of subtit- subtitles to go into this. <laughs> Subtitles really work for audio formats. It's brilliant. It's basically yeah. a book. Um, well, it could be audio described. <laughs> and then... Freddie moves from side to side. <laughs> yeah, no, now he's moved. leaning forward and laughing. Right, what let's listen said. to what Freddie has today has to say. So, what do I have today? What I have today to say is that, like you were saying about Monaco and Baku having such um, unique track layouts. So um, Baku's obviously got the long straight. Monaco's 
got like you can't really there's not really any high speed at all in Monaco based on the way the track works and how quick the corners come at you so like we don't have that in Paul Ricard we don't have those sort of unique challenges of that track and like Nigel says it's 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 normal so it kind of would work for Mercedes in that regard there and it then would work for Red Bull as well and kind of would work for everyone on the highest plane they can get which means that these teams won't have an opportunity to sort of jump up the order in a way because everyone else will be operating at such a high operation. Yeah. It should be more like Spain and Portugal, I'd think. And I, think, I guess one of the good things pole. is... Which would... Hey? Well, that's on pole. Or not that much like Spain and Portugal. Well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've lost my track of thought now. I think if Bottas was on pole, that would be fantastic because he, he would have remembered. faster cars behind him. No, yeah, if you remembered. Yeah, what I was going to say was, for a good month now, we haven't had a climax to Q3. And with France being France, or the Paul Ricard being Paul Ricard, we we should get a second run in Q3 because there shouldn't be any red flags. So that's a good good thing, I guess. I just jinxed Q3. <laughs> yeah. I, I, Someone's going to I find mean, somewhere to crash. I feel like Monaco had quite a climactual end, but kind of just not in the way we'd expect yeah. Um, but no, I, I do know what you're saying, and yeah, I think that will factor in. But I don't know if science is on pole with people going out on their left runs, then look out for one of the Ferraris hitting the wall. Yeah. That's all I'll say. If we get yeah. a Verstappen Halton front row, I think the race should be quite good for for France standards. I think I think it could be quite a, quite a strategical race. Well, it's mm. it's like it's like um we've had for the past for the first few races was always sort of Verstappen would get out in front and then it'd be how can Lewis fight back and I I wouldn't be surprised if there's something similar to that and it seems to just be that's the season um really and that, particularly before um Monaco it was Lewis Max Lewis Max Lewis Max wasn't it and that's I'm really I kind of wanted to go back to that because that's what we were absolutely um loving for the part start of the season and then it's kind of like we've had some weird moments obviously in the street track zone um but then it's something like i think verstappen is the only driver to have led over 100 laps this year um mm. i want to say um yeah. i think he's led like 250 or something i think Hamilton's something like 85 or 90 mm. um which is mad when you figure out think that um Hamilton's won three races and yeah. it's just that kind of like on familiar hunting grounds you can't discount mercedes at all Mm, I've got a good rugby stat that relates to that, but no one will get it, so I'll leave it. Yeah, I think, mm, and, and I think it will be most interesting if we get, say, Verstappen out front and then Bottas and Hamilton kind of close behind. I think that'll be that'll add even more to it, and then kind of Perez out the picture, or vice versa. That they've the kind picture, of yeah. got a leading pick, uh, leading driver, and then kind of the the team behind is able to throw a few different strategies in. I think I'll be interested to see that and I think that race would suit Paul Ricard better than just kind of Hamilton following Verstappen for most of the race but not able to get past or yeah. whatever or something I mean, like that. If, Hamil- if Hamilton's leading after the first few corners, it could be quite dull, I'd say. <laughs> so, yeah. Because he's so good. <laughs> yeah. He, he, he'll well, know that, what to and, do. And I think it does suit Mercedes, the track, a little, a little bit more than Red Bull and, and it's Hamilton. So, yeah. Mm. That being said, of, if they're on of, the front row together, then I would back Verstappen to be leading into the first corner, personally. Sorry, Freddie. Yeah. Sorry, right. I'm, I'm just saying something purely semantics, but I, I think it'd be nice if Hamilton could win one race in this triple header so that he's got the opportunity to take his 100th win at the British Grand Prix. I think that'd be very cool. But mm. um, that's just me sort of thinking that would be cool. And if they, if they could have sort out, I mean... We don't know what's going on with the UK in terms of lockdown. This will be going out around a similar time to when Boris Johnson does his announcement tonight. But um, we th- we think it's going to be likely that um, the day after the British Grand Prix is when you can have sort of full attendance of these kind of things. It's a nightmare for everyone, really, who, who was planning to go to the British Grand Prix because that would be fantastic to be able to sort of have a nice reopening to society with Formula One. Um, but looks like that's not going to be the case, um, at least for the UK. Um, but if there are still some fans there, it would be cool for Lewis Hamilton, the Sir Lewis Hamilton, the year he got his knighthood, um, the year he's got an opportunity to become an eight-time world champion, the greatest Formula One driver statistically of all time. It'd be great to be the only Formula One driver to take 100 wins at his home Grand Prix. I think it'd be fantastic. 
and it'll be one of those sporting moments that could well go down in history. When is the British Grand Prix? It is the 18th of July. So it's pretty much a month away. Okay. Um, I thought that it might clash with the Euros and that'd be even more interesting. They normally, they had the, they have, I, I remember being at the British Grand Prix when I was six, watching England beat someone. I can't remember who they were playing, but it was like one of the first England games I ever watched. And I was at the British Grand Prix and everyone was watching it on a big screen after the qualifying session. If you were that six, was it would have been the 90, Italian 90 World Cup. Yeah, like it was Italian 90. Yeah, you're right. We also watched the um, 1985 Black Ball final there. Um, <laughs> the snitcher. Um, anyway, moving swiftly back onto topic. Oh, I don't know what the topic is here. It's just... Uh, it's just generic um, French Grand Prix chat, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Just random F1 chat. Should we do predictions now or later? Let's do some predictions now. Okay. Predict. <laughs> I predict that Adam's going to ask us who's going to win the race. I don't predict do you... that Adam's going to ask us who's going to win the race. Oh, what are the odds? Nigel's <laughs> well, well, saying power. Is Nigel just not making a prediction at all, or is he predicting that I won't ask? Because I'm predicting that you won't ask. <laughs> ah, you didn't word it correctly though in the book. He would absolutely fleece you for that. Um, yeah, who do you think is going to be third? <laughs> Bottas. Uh, and Perez, I think. Interesting. Who do you think, Adam? I, I think Verstappen. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, nice. Yeah, go on then. Why not? I think um, Verstappen, unless he has a problem will finish in the top two for like nearly every race this year I reckon yeah but I think this might be one of the ones that he doesn't so I think there's more chance <laughs> that Hamilton <laughs> doesn't finish in the top two than Verstappen I think yeah, that's probably I don't think at this race for a year I think like it's yeah. so generic as a race isn't it um, yeah other races I'd say yeah but I think it'll be Mercedes one two here nice mm. And who do you think is going to be on pole position? Ooh. I think Hamilton Leclerc? has to be. Yeah, I think it's got to be Hamilton. I don't think it's going to be Leclerc. Um, but I think he'll do one of his storming laps and maybe fifth or sixth or fourth or something. Um, It'd be a massive shock if it's not... Uh, even if it's not Verstappen or Hamilton, I think it would be a surprise. Because if Perez or Bottas pulled one out of the bag, I'll be quite surprised by that. Oh, I think it could be Verstappen actually, not Hamilton. Just because looking at qualifying form this year, um, best sector times and stuff like that would have pretty much always put Verstappen on pole. So I just think there's a little bit more on the locker for Verstappen, I think. Mm. So I think Verstappen. I've changed it. Verstappen for pole. Do you think the Saturday is going to be more interesting than the Sunday? I hope so, because I'm going to dinner on the Sunday. Um, so I'm missing the race live. But I can watch the qualifying. I think the, I think the race can be quite interesting. I think, yeah. Mm, I guess if the qualifying is interesting, that makes it probably more likely that the race will be as well, yeah, unless we get point. like yeah. one of one of the top two going out in Q one or something. Even I think we could get. Way. I think we could get a qualifying similar to Imola. Um, didn't mean to say similar to Imola. Um, that's Adam's phrase. It's a great phrase. But like that was a fantastic qualifying session, right to the death with the closest grid in like nine, eight years or something, and it was mm. brilliant to watch. And I feel like um, with just like you say, um, without the damp squibs of red flags at the end of the sessions, um, we uh, for the lap times at least we could have some the actual kind of bit of balls to the wall around Paul Ricard. It could pulls to the wall be fantastic. Maybe if you like, like what we saw with Norris just hooking it up out of nowhere and doing a great lap, and we had that at Baku with Gasly just out of nowhere doing a great lap in the bits where you drive the car. So there's opportunities in qualifying for midfield cars to actually cause a bit of a mix-up. So in qualifying, at least in the race pace, not not so much so, but in qualifying, I think we could maybe see something like that. I don't really want to kind of engage with that after the pull to the wall joke, but yeah, I it, it wasn't it's a joke; those, it was like, deadly serious. As a phrase, even it's if going it to be the new that's... phrase. Even worse, even if the like car does have a good qualifying, I think you can't. I think you know there's just such a long straight that I think kind of any any kind of mix up in qualifying will be rectified pretty quickly in the race because it's just you know yeah. it's, 
It'll take a collision for a non for a non Mercedes or Red Bull to get on the podium this weekend. Yeah, I think that's correct prognosis. Um, let me talk about another driver who may not be on the podium this weekend, yeah. but does need a big weekend or a big three weekends. It's Daniel Ricciardo. He's not had a great time of it since joining McLaren, and kind of that's really come to a head at Monaco and Baku. But do we think this is an opportunity for him to kind of turn a bit of that form around? I think it's a good run of tracks, really. Like, it's not like he he gets up to speed and then goes away for a couple of weeks, gets up to speed, goes away for a couple of weeks. Like, we've got Paul Ricard, which, to be fair, is a testing track. So it's kind of designed for you to be hammering it around. And and it's a good track then to be kind of getting to grips with the car. And then two Austrian Grand Prix, same track. And again, it's, it's, it's easier to get to grips with it. In, we saw in Bahrain that his pace was pretty good because he got to grips with the track and the car at that venue. So maybe he'll have a bit more opportunity just to sort of dial in better and hopefully pull himself out of this sort of not being as fast as Lando Norris quagmire he's in. Um, yeah. Like Perez said, judge me after five races, the sixth race he won. We're not in that position with Daniel Ricciardo. Just in I terms think, of performance, I think Ricardo's in a bit of trouble. But if he's still not performing in three weeks' time after the second Austrian race, then I'd say it, it becomes dangerous for, for his for his place at McLaren, for his reputation, mm. for his career, almost. Uh, so it, yeah. it, it's a massive, massive opportunity the next three weeks. It's like Freddie's pointed out with France this weekend. It's an easier track. He can make a mistake. Or, or something and recover from it. Austria, there's only seven real corners, short track. Uh, so, yeah. If, if McLaren track. It is, yeah. That's another great point. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, if, if you can't turn it around over the next month or so, then it, I don't see how he can, uh, at, at least this year. So, yeah, it's a, it's a massively important few weeks for, for Daniel Ricciardo. Do you think his position would be under threat in this season for Daniel Ricciardo, or do you think it? Do you think he get the season, get to see the season out, even if he's kind of on the back foot after this run of three? Uh, he'll get the season. Yeah, I think he'll get the season out because, I mean, McLaren have paid a lot for Ricciardo, and they they clearly believe in his clauses, in his clauses, and I think we all do. We all know it's there, so I think they'll give him every single chance because it'd be very unlike McLaren to drop in mid-season or after X number of races. So, so yeah, uh, it would, he, he doesn't have to do much to keep a seat for next year. He just has to show it at a few races. So because, because of uh, what he's done over the last seven, eight years, he's, he's built up a reputation and a career that, that's like put him on a, high platform I guess so he, he, so we he gets some leeway from us and McLaren I think so yeah he just has to show it at a couple races but if he wants to have a good season and a great season then now is the time to turn it around he's proved the level he can operate at hasn't he and particularly last year actually with Renault I think it was one of his best seasons because the way he basically put, put that team into contention um, did took about seventy five percent of the team's um, points and put that team into contention for third in the constructors against a very strong McLaren, a very strong racing point. Does show his caliber. I think I would just kind of push back a bit in that I I, I agree. I think it'd be unlike McLaren to get rid of him, and I don't really see what they gain from that. But I think they knew what they were getting when they brought him in, but he wasn't a project driver. He wasn't kind of like, you know, Van Dorn that you thought it Mm. might take a while to get it to speed. It it felt like the reason they brought him in was because he was a kind of proven operator in F1 who they thought could replace Carlos Sainz. And I think to lead the team or, you know, certainly be a candidate to lead the team. So, you know, if if you're going to kind of give someone a season to bed in, why not kind of bring up a young driver? I mean, probably because there weren't that there weren't kind of any obvious candidates available. But I think there is a difference between, yeah, kind of, they wouldn't have expected him, 
I don't think they would have expected him to need this time to bed in. And yeah, like you said, they're paying him a lot of money and it would be I think, mm. extremely difficult to get out of that contract. But yeah, I just... The, the last few kind of last few months only last for only counts for so much, especially in F1, which is one of the more cutthroat sports. So, mm. yeah, I'd, I'd be very surprised, but I think it's not. Yeah, I'd, it's a difficult one, but I'd be surprised if he's just. He, he, he's remaining quite positive, it seems, as well, even yeah. though he's not performing well. Uh, whether that's just you know him being his, his own personality, but he's never really been in this position. At least, at least in his F1 career, I don't think. So it's new territory for him. And at the moment, he's not really adapting or reacting well to it, I, I think. So it's about, will he... I think I think it's changed from when will Ricardo uh, become good to if Ricardo can become good. I think, I think yeah. that's, that's what's changed. I think there's... Um, I think, yeah. I think a second season is... I'm sort of coming around to that's kind of now we sort of you know voiced this out. I'm sort of coming around to the fact that um this McLaren car this year is is weird. Norris has said that he can't drive it the way he wants to, but he's able to drive it fast, but not the way he wants to. And that's the impressive thing about Norris. Ricardo obviously is can't drive it how he wants to, he wants to be fast, and the way he's wanting to drive it is you know, isn't that fast, and the way he's having to be driven, having to drive it is with sort of incessant coaching every corner from uh, his performance engineer team and it's it's incredibly difficult to sort of see that progressing so much in this car but I can imagine they will take that feedback for an, for 20 for next year in a, in a different car um, era to be fair but they'll take that feedback and know how he wants to drive the car and will respect that as the, as the team and I think um, if it never really comes great with this car I think there's still opportunity for it to come great next year with a new a new car, even if it was um, the same regulations, then you could still mould the car to him as it develops. And just because we're so limited on development this year and we've got big regulation changes next year, I feel like that's, that is a bit of a get out of jail yeah. free it, it for could Ricardo save later him. on. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? Maybe he'll race for McLaren in IndyCar in a few years. I don't know that. Really? No, I don't know if he wants to, if they want to keep him as a McLaren contracted driver, but don't want want a different driver in the Formula One seat if he's not performing. But that's how rumours start. So let's move on. <laughs> that is, yeah. Should we? Who would who would you think would be a candidate to replace him? Say at the end of the season, if Ooh. I think that's part of the problem. There's no yeah. That's the a good question. Bottas, no one coming Bot- up. yeah. Bottas was the first one that came to my head. Mm. Yeah. But, He's a proven good driver who can operate at a high level and yeah, mm-hmm. he can have difficulties, but if you put your arm around him, you can extract a lot from him and that he hasn't really had his arm, hasn't had a shoulder to lean on for the past few weeks at Mercedes, you'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, they, don't have a young, they don't have a young driver, McLaren, who, yeah. who's shining. They've got a couple in, in IndyCar, of course, but I don't see them bringing Pato Award or... Well, uh, Rosen He's doing the Abu Dhabi test, isn't he? Pato Awards. He is. Yeah. Leading yeah. the IndyCar Championship now. I, I think the another name that came to mind for me would be Sergio Perez if he was out of contract at yeah. Red Bull, which you, who knows what Red Bull will ever oh. do. But there are Liam Lawson's going well so far in the um, in F2. And yeah, there's mm. obviously Sonoda if he did um, come on and have a kind of breakout second half of the season. I, I think that. Lots of spots. I, yeah, I think you know. There's a lot of ifs for that, which I kind of I don't really see it happening. Ocon, but he's kind of another one. Yeah, Ocon could shout. Ocon's had links with McLaren in the past. But um, when sort of Stroll, Lawrence Stroll, Ocon. took over um, racing uh, Force India to become Racing Point Force India for the to the latter half of the 2018 season, um, there were rumours then that Ocon was going to end up in out of his seat with like five races to go in that season and Stroll was going to be put into the racing point from the Williams. And then there was going to be someone like um, Kubica was going to be driving for the end of the year and Ocon was going to be in McLaren. And there are rumours that um, very, very strong and basically near confirmed rumours that Ocon had a seat fit at McLaren then. Um, and, they, and he was just a little bit too tall, which meant he didn't get the McLaren drive for 2019 and it went to Carlos Sainz. Um, but Ocon has been, has had conversations with McLaren 
And I'd say mm. he's on a good run of form this year. But I think Alpine won't want to let him go based on his recent performances. Mm. Doesn't get enough talk conversations with Ocon alone. I'd say I think he's had a really good um, 2021. Mm. Yeah. If McLaren did come calling, though, what was... If you're Ocon, would you stay at Alpine at the end of this season or make the jump? I don't know, actually. That's a good question because you've seen the struggles in making the jump, haven't you? Mm. I think Alpine can shoot up the order next year. That's just that's just something I've thought about for like about six months. I, I'm not sure why, <laughs> but so I, I would stay only on the it's basis. Been really that difficult I think... when you were doing news days. I need to interview the person about bees, but Alpine. Oh, they're going to shoot up the order. <laughs> Yeah. I want to watch this race, but Alpine are going to shoot up the order. Oh, my goodness. That's why I messed up my radio Alpine, bulletins. Alpine, 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 Alpine. <laughs> I was too busy thinking about that every hour. In uh, Alpine, I mean, Alan Parr. Of... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Alan Parr. Uh, so shooting, yeah. Up the, shooting up the order. Oh, wait, I meant they're shooting up cocaine. Oh, damn it. Uh, right, Larry, have, Larry, evening around Freddy's house. But there we go. I'll imagine you'll carry on it. He was the he was the embedded um, <laughs> undercover reporter for the Sun. who's going to splash. Um, oh, F one podcaster does waiting on drugs. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, Sorry, Nigel. Carry on. That's all right. I think yeah. I think Alpine can have a big year next year. So based on that, I, I would stay. But I feel like McLaren could yeah. too, though. They could, but I think Alpine will be they all could. the big surprise. Nah, that's why. Um, but yeah, I, I know That's what you're good. saying. It'd be really difficult choice. I think I'd probably stay just because of the fact that you've got a chance to kind of make it your team or, yeah. yeah. And as, as Freddie, I think, said, that he's seen the kind of difficulty of making that jump and experience that firsthand. But I think that'd be an interesting one to see. I think we all expect that Daniel Ricciardo will stay yes. at yeah. the team. Um, any other drivers you want to talk about? I think um, I think Sonoda can have a really good summer. You just mentioned him before. Yeah. I think I think uh, he did well at Baku. He, yes, he crashed, but in terms of pace, in terms in terms of pace, he was back on it. He wasn't that far behind Pierre Gasly, mm. his teammate. And I think back with some back. more familiar tracks coming up, he's raced in F three at Paul Ricard. He raced in F two in Austria, two Austrian races again, and then he's raced at Silverstone as well. So I think I think Sonoda after a bad spell. I wouldn't be surprised if he starts to really impress and and people start talking about him in a in a good way again, rather than rather than about his team radio. Yeah, well, I think the team radio has actually kind of it. It was funny at first. It's a little bit mm. awkward now. Um, to be fair, for the most part, like in Baku when he's telling his engineer to shut up, it's a little bit. Mm. It doesn't sit great so much yeah. now. It feels like I mean and. Yeah, they've got him under close supervision in Fienza, yeah, where he's now living. Um, he goes to the gym twice a day, apparently, which he's annoyed about. Um, he's living with Franz Toss, basically. <laughs> which I think would be incredible. Like, <laughs> two very different personalities. Yeah. Franz Toss, like, just life with Franz Toss would be so interesting. Because <laughs> he'd just be like, he gets up in the morning and, I don't know, plants some tomatoes. And that seems to be all I can imagine Franz Toss doing is gardening. He just doesn't strike me as like, you know, the team principal of um, a Formula One team, you know, like adrenaline, all that kind of thing. Um, like you got that, like Christian Horner thinks of himself as like a super cool guy. Toto Wolf is a super cool guy. And then Franz Toss is just like a gardener. And it's just, just sort of, it's like, oh, here's the caretaker, Franz. Hey, Franz. Hello. Carries on with the day. Yeah, I just mentioned um, his teammate, Pierre Gasly, obviously third last time out. Could be another love, love, love Gasly. Love Gasly. Yeah. Who do we think is going to be the highest finishing French driver? This weekend. Yeah. No, next weekend. <laughs> in the in the uh, Styrian Grand Prix. I think yeah. the highest finishing French driver. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know. And who do we um, think is going to be the highest finishing Austrian driver this weekend? <laughs> the, the French Marco. drivers, we've got Gasly, Ocon, uh, Taylor Porsche if he gets a promotion. But like, just yeah, getting... on the two French drivers this year. Yeah, yeah, Grosjean's in oh, wow. IndyCar, isn't he? Really? Um, wow, I thought there were more for some reason. Uh, yeah, I think mm. Ocon will. Well, Leclerc doesn't really count, does he? Um, because he's Monegasque, um, yeah. which is a different place. Um, yeah. but he's that kind of crop. Um, 
<laughs> um, I think Gasly. I think so too, but I'll go Ocon. Why not? Let's go. Yeah, maybe. yeah why not? Go Give on, Esteban on. some love. It's like the first time this podcast has given Esteban some love. <laughs> Episode mm. 75 or whatever it is. <laughs> okay. Either of you got anything else you want to mention before we move on to the quiz? Um, obviously, the rumour was going in overdrive about um, George Russell and Valtteri Bottas. There were some reports that George Russell could be announced at Silverstone as the 2022 Mercedes driver. Um, take yeah. it with a pinch of salt, is what I'll say. Um, we'll wait for an announcement first. Of salt. Yeah, That's you're right. Funny. I don't really know at all. I don't think any of us know at all what's going to go on there, but I think we can all agree that the atmosphere in Mercedes is the textiest it's ever been, mm. particularly towards Valtteri Bottas. It's a bit spiky. Yeah, that's yeah. that's all. Oh. Yeah, I think you summed it up. <laughs> yeah, watch this space really over the summer. I'd say he wants to talk right. about contracts soon. Who will? Yeah. It'll be a um, our silly a, season. A William special, deal. but I don't know when that will start. So yeah, but that'll be coming at some point. Hopefully after the triple header. So we've got time. Yeah, why not it. after triple header? Because we, we don't have time. Oh goodness, I just whacked my desk. All everything fell off. Oh well. Um, <laughs> not the laptop though. My laptop stayed in the Staple perfect position down. just to watch me be stressed. Well, speaking of which, we're on to the quiz. <laughs> so, <laughs> fantastic segue. How many circuits have hosted a French Grand Prix? Oh, Freddie. Yep. Seven? We. Oui. Is it? Wow. Yeah. What an answer that is. That what is one of the best answer. answers we've ever had. <laughs> I thought go too higher than you think. I thought five, so I went seven. <laughs> Can you name them? Oh, all right. Um, I'll give it a go. There's Paul Ricard, um, Dijon, Magnicor, Sherard, Bugatti Circuit, Rouen Lassar, and Reims. We. Oui. I am pleased with that. Wow. I'll give yeah. him a bonus point for that. No, it's not your quiz. So it's Un Amour to Freddy <laughs> as we go on to question two. At the Castle. <laughs> what? what? I don't know my Un, numbers. Not cent. Yeah, we. Oui. Un, Mille. which is one, and then amour, which is love. So it's like tennis. It's like one oh, love. Oh yeah. yeah. French Open. Uh, I like that. Uh, <laughs> it's over now. Thank you. I just won. Now you've had it explained to you. <laughs> At Le Castellet Airport, how much does it cost for up to two hours of helicopter training? Using the closest winds. Uh, Nigel. Uh, yeah. What? 500 euros. It's not how, how many euros. How many hours? Up to two, was what it said on the website. 650 euros. No. So uh, before you make your second guess, I I don't know if it's if this is the case, but I'm guessing it's not <laughs> actually for the training itself. It's for kind of use of the airfield when you are doing the training. That's oh, wow. Okay, so, so we're we're way 1500 down. Fifteen hundred euros. No, you're way you're way up. Oh, oh. ten so euros. So like getting an instructor. No, it's it's cost more than ten euros. <laughs> Damn, I was going to go and buy an airfield for a day. Thirty <laughs> no. euros. Adam. You have one more guess. You've both gone too far down. Three hundred and ninety euros. euros. What did I've you say? 390. Freddy? And I just okay, had a fourth Nigel. guess because he's a cheat. Nigel, Nigel, what did you say? I said 44. Okay, it's 100 euros. Oh, Nigel so, wins. Yeah, I'm tempted to give neither of you a point because you're so far off on all of the <laughs> guesses. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm, 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 it's not a, an area I've looked into heavily. I didn't have any base to make no. it. Normally, other people can fly you in the helicopters, helicopters for you. Which exactly. they, they, they come straight to my the... massive garden. They don't go. I don't need to go to these stupid airfields. Which constructors win the same amount of French Grand Prix as Mercedes? Freddie, what? McLaren? No. Oh no! It's only like two, isn't it, or three? Uh, Nigel mm. Williams. No. I think Who's Nigel Williams? Snoop <laughs> on Facebook, if you want. <laughs> Um, Freddie, um, Lotus, we oh. Lotus, they were in their last race with Andretti, I think, in 78 or 79, something like that. Oh, nice, Freddie Lee's de Un. 
Um, who qualified last in the 2007 and 2008 French Grand Prix while driving for different teams? Freddie. What? Uh, was it Giancarlo Fisichella? No. Okay. Was it Fernando Alonso? No. That's a bold guess. Last. <laughs> I just like, I, I don't know. <laughs> Let's go for it. Um, oh, I'm trying to think who was in, like, he drove for Freddie, 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 Freddie. Was it Adrian Sittel? Yes, it was. Oh, yes. Driving he drove for Spiker, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. In, uh... That was my next guess. <laughs> I was like, well, it's not Christian Albers. No, That's it's not. for the Christian Albers. An- Anthony Davidson qualified him. ahead of him in 2007, I think. Davidson had a hell of a time in those Super Aguri cars. Sometimes yeah. they were really quick, and some they just wouldn't get results. Sometimes he came into the pits and there was no one there. <laughs> oh, that's really yeah. sad, isn't it? Because he was running third as well. Two thousand seven Canadian Grand Prix. That reference. how many corners are there on the Paul Ricard circuit? But you must count up to it in French. No, of Freddie. Oh, Nigel. I heard Nigel first. Right, Un, deux, <laughs> yeah, trois, yeah. Cat, yeah. Asla, sank. We. Oui. Cease. We. Oui. Is it Siete or Sept? Sept. Yeah. Yes. Ah, this is where it starts to get tricky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did French in primary school, but I can't. Uh, God, I forgot what it is in Spanish now, which is bad. Uh, I'll accept Spanish. <laughs> Is it says? What? The, the answer. I, I know the answer is no, 15. Ca- I, I know the answer is oh, 15, I'll, but I can't. I'll give, Ni- I'll give Nigel the point then. Yeah, <laughs> give Nigel the point. Because <laughs> I said it was worth, 16. Worth the comedy value of hearing. <laughs> Under what, what, what is it? Set, wheat, nerf, deeps, deuce, tres, catours, Wheat is the best number in French. Wheat. Yeah. Yeah. It's I was looking for um, which driver had a fiery crash in FP1 of the 2018 French Grand Prix I won't crash Nigel Freddie oh. Nigel was it Kevin Magnussen no Freddie was it Perez no Nigel was in the same geographic area oh what Grosjean? No, that's a teammate. What? No, in terms of Denmark, he's close oh. to it. <laughs> yeah. Probably should have explained that better. Nigel. No. Yep. Was it uh, Kimi Raikkonen? No. Oh, I just can't remember. I have no images in my mind. Freddie, I'm just going to say this because it's the region, but Bossas. No. Yeah. Oh, um, you're both no. close. It's open, opening back up to a guesses. Freddie. Hmm. Hulkenberg. No. Germany's near Denmark. Oh, yeah, it is. There's no Swedish borders. No oh, Freddie, Marcus Ericsson. Fucks that up so badly. <laughs> Is it Marcus Ericsson? He was driving yeah, for Salvo, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, thanks so much, um, Nigel. Marcus <laughs> Ericsson, congratulations on your first IndyCar win. Yeah. You just helped me out here. He was a bit lucky, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't when he crashed in no. the 2018 French Grand Prix. I have practice. no recollection of that accident. Oh, At the Castellet Airport, which, <laughs> cost, which cost the most to hire? Uh, it, it was classes per operation in the... Um, Tariff guide: nitrogen, oxygen, toilet service, <laughs> refueling by refueling truck or passenger steps. Freddie, Nigel. Yeah. Oh. I heard Freddie first. Refueling. No. Oh, I think it's nitrogen. No. 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 Nitrogen's everywhere, mate. It's like eighty percent of the air. Let's find it. Or it's uh, not. That's the wrong thing. I'm getting mixed up again. I'm gonna be hydrogen. Anyway, Freddie, is it um the steps? It is the steps, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to find what? the tariff thing, but I've well, because you've got to hire it out thing. from the airport, don't you? The airport provides the steps to the plane, and mm. like you've got to make someone 
get up and drive them there. You can't just, yeah. you can't get out of the plane otherwise. So it's a very key thing. So they charge a lot for it. It's mm. like one of the, it's like, it's like this is necessary. So let's put another zero on the end. Like weddings. If, if you ever what? say something for a wedding, they'll just put a zero on the end. On the price list. So in a couple of seconds, I'll be able to. Um, <laughs> I can't I wait. To, I was, I couldn't like, it was all broken down into like, weight of aircraft so i wanted to do a um something along those lines but i couldn't find it. so the um passenger steps are 168 euros refueling is 15 euros not for the fuel Three. then i guess no just for the use of the thing um yeah. nitrogen oh. is a, a nitrogen and nitrogen are both 102 euros and the toilet service is oh. 132 maybe again freddie what you said that it's a pretty crucial um yeah <laughs> so that's now five two to freddie Adam, are you, are you, last... where's this interest in aviation come from are you are you trying to um hire a jet for us to go to pull Ricard? is that the prize for the winner of this quiz i thought i'd i'd um do the organization and logistics for hiring it and then you could pay for it and then <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, um, i've got a pound here yeah, I thought that'd be a good division of labor for it um so nigel needs to get this to stay in the game which driver made their first Q3 appearance of their career at the 2018 French Grand Prix? Nigel. Yeah. Charles Leclerc. Yeah. Yes, it certainly was. Brilliant qualifying session, that, actually, to be fair. Yeah, yeah that was very good. And well, it I was think... kind of damp, which made it weird. Mm. No, it was good from Leclerc. Right. Question nine. Five, three, two, Freddie. Is Paul Ricard closer to Rome or Paris? Nigel. Yeah. Got to be Paris. It is. Yeah. There is 40 kilometres in it. Oh, Ooh, that's quite nice. interesting, actually. Yeah, it's quite close. So Nigel's bringing it back. And yeah. Slightly <laughs> worrying because I don't have a... Um... A tiebreaker. Yeah. Well, I did have a tiebreaker, but it was what did... Paul Ricard do and then Freddie said it before we started recording so that's that got out yeah. the window um, it interested me qualified 11th for the 2019 oh. French Grand Prix oh Freddie mm. Hulkenberg no damn it 11th yeah on 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 M. that'll be it on M. Or Onze? Onze. Because it has a little E on the top. But I think Nigel. the M is only... Yes. Alexander Albon. It was Alexander Albon. Was it? It was Albon? Yeah. How the hell did you get that? Why <laughs> else would I ask that? it? <laughs> That's, oh, I was nowhere near that. Fair play. I wasn't going to get that. Oh, I completely forgot um... he drove in Formula 1. <laughs> I haven't. No, Nigel no, never I, I will. Think, I forgot he drove for Toro Rosso in that part of the year. It feels weird, like thinking he was a Toro Rosso driver for me at least. It seems because he's been so often been a not good Red Bull driver. Mm. Oh, here we go. Then Nigel's brought it back. Interesting. Yes, he, he has indeed. Um, it's like the Ukraine never matched, so that means he's <laughs> gonna win with a last minute winner or eighty fifth minute winner. Of course, I am. Got back uh, myself, don't I? I'm just having a look. He's still look in... for, a, for a question. <laughs> I've got a question in mind, but I need to check. It works. Go for it. Check okay, it so the question is, yeah, go for it. How many of the current F1 and F2 grids hold a lap record at Paul Ricard? How many drivers? Yes. Uh, Nigel. Yeah. I'm going to go with five. Yeah, I was going to go with five. You're going with five? He's going yeah. with five, Nigel. Is. Five. Okay. Freddie, what are All you right. going with? This is including F2 drivers. It's thrown me off. Um, so I am going to go with four. Freddie wins the quiz. 
Yes. Oh. Is it three? three? Oh, three. three. Yeah, it's quite science. Is science one? Yeah. No, Vettel, Gasly, and Marcus Armstrong. Oh, oh. interesting. And Pet- Petikov has one as well, but he was... He's, he's not on the grid anymore, yeah. No, exactly. What, what series did they do that in? Um, so Vettel's Formula Vettel 1. in F1, yeah. Uh, Gasly in F th- uh, Formula Renault 3.5 and Armstrong in F3. Oh, so, right. so Hubert it's got GP3, Yeah, Yiffy got Euro Formula Open, Petikov's got Freck. Is there a Formula F2 2 track record? Yeah. Yeah, uh, De Vries has got that. Oh, oh cool. Right. Mm. And he's got two. He's got an LMP2 record on the layout without the Mistral chicane as well. So. Mm. The Mistral chicane. We, oui. Mistral. Was there a Mistral? Okay. Well, Freddie takes the quiz by a tiebreak win. To be fair. Fair play, Nigel. The hair game. Yeah. Good. Good match between both. And we will be back after the race to review it, probably on the Monday because Freddie's having dinner. Um, so, oh, this day, isn't it? Mm. Oh, there wasn't oh, supposed yeah. to be a Grand Prix this weekend, and then the Canadian one on Turkish one had their like cancellations, so yes. they they moved it to this date. And we're like, damn it, we've already booked to go for lunch. But oh, well, lunch. Uh, yeah, like, I thought you said dinner. Yeah, it's like lunch one of those like awkward times. <laughs> In the, in the south, they're not the same thing, actually, to be fair. Um, that's a northern thing, they're the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> different as well, although they are slightly interchangeable. Um, but anyway. Meal, that going is for all, a meal. That is, yes. And I'm going for a meal now, actually. I need to have lunch. But that is all from us. We hope you enjoy the Grand Prix as much as you can, as much as Freddie is enjoying his Doritos or Will in about five seconds' time. But in the meantime, I hope you have a great week and weekend and goodbye. Bye, everybody.